Welcome to Crossing Darkness, a podcast about role-playing games ranging from um, games set in the world of darkness to MMORPGs like EVE Online and everything in between. We broadcast live over Twitch and are open to answering questions during the show. I'm your host, Frozen Fallout. My co-host is Motorori, who helped me create this podcast as well as a 40-person, four-table Gen Con event. Can you hear me, Mike? I'm sorry, my bandwidth is my bandwidth is really terrible right now. Uh, <laughs> hello, everyone, and today we have special guest Matt Hatch here to tell us uh, his gaming stories. Uh, Matt, how is the life of a gamer treating you these days? Uh, kind of fantastic. I mean, it's way better than I deserve. I think it's kind of like a a renaissance period for uh, for role playing. I mean, I know I'm not able to meet in person because it's crazy pandemic stuff but uh i think online role playing is really exploding right now yeah we were we were just talking uh beforehand about how you've got like three games going on right now and i was just telling you that i've got three games going on right now so what are what are the games that you're playing or uh possibly running right now uh, i've got a mage game i've been running for a little bit uh, i've got umbligo del diablo that i've been playing in for Two years, a little more now, or no, no, just over a year. I take that back. And uh, a D and D game I've been playing in for about about a year. But uh, yeah, they're all going pretty swimmingly. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, how did you get into to gaming in general? What was what was the kind of springboard that got you um, into this crazy world that uh, we all love? Um, not sure. Uh, heavy metal. Um, oh, uh, D&D, um, va- vampire cards, like Vampire the Eternal Struggle cards. Oh, I yeah. That actually, like, led to Vampire the Card card Game, led into, like, Vampire the Role-Playing Game Tabletop when I was a kid, like, 13, 14, yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, you kind of started off in the the card gaming arena. Was was uh, what was the first like official RPG that you played? Um, was it was it Dungeons and Dragons or was it Vampire the Masquerade or? It was def. It was D and D. Like I remember, I tried that like before even card games came around. I think, but uh, yeah, that was like fifth or sixth grade, and that was it's kind of eh. You know, we didn't know what we we're up to. Didn't know how to put together a narrative. And then it got better, you know, get through junior high and high school and you start being able to put together stories and ideas and just have fun. Interesting. So when you were, uh, because that's interesting, a lot, because I know a lot of people get involved usually in their, like their teenage years. And I that's kind of when I was like 12 and 13 is when I started getting involved in, in that kind of stuff. So when you guys like started when you were a little bit younger than that, was it, was it um, more of you guys just kind of found a book or like how, how did you get introduced to, to Dungeons and Dragons? I'm guessing it was second edition. Yeah, it was second edition. Uh, somebody's older brother, you know, had like a decent collection of second edition stuff. I think uh, a buddy of mine named Mike, his, his older brother had a bunch of books. So we kind of like, we didn't have to have any sort of investment besides time, which you have, you know, a bunch when you're a little kid, you know, mm-hmm. and we're like, we would ask him to show us what's up with it. And he would be like, no, you guys just read the books. You'll, you'll know what's up. And I was like, Oh, okay. So I got pushed into storytelling on that end. And I was like, Oh, I don't know what I'm up to. Nobody knows what's going on. <laughs> you know, um, so I, those kind of fizzled, you know, we try for a couple sessions, you know, and it'd be fun. Um, I don't remember which, 
there's a couple adventures in the can that we actually stuck with, you know, that worked out pretty well. I can't remember which ones offhand, but mm-hmm. yeah, those those were cool. I think I think I really really didn't get into role playing until until White Wolf and stuff like that. You know, um, definitely Vampire, um, then definitely Mage. Uh, actually, the guy who Storytells Umbligo del Diablo I've been role-playing with since I was, like, 14, 15? We met in middle school. I mean, it's been, like, forever. So, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's uh, I've got one buddy that I still I go to Gen Con with, and, um, well, a couple buddies that I go to Gen Con with, and we still we don't have, like, a, a regular gaming group that I play with them in right now, but we definitely do play when, and do a bunch of stuff at, like, Gen Con together. Um, but, yeah, having those, like, long you know, uh, battle mates that have been through all the epic event adventures with you, or at least a, a large portion is always kind of, uh, kind of awesome to build out that kind of narrative of your life, uh, with them and all the stories that you've been in. Um, so when you got into, to vampire, what was, uh, um, the introduction into that? Did you, um, start off with like tabletop or did you, um, do anything with, with LARP at all at any point? Um, yeah, no, I've, I've done three or four LARPs. Um, the most successful and fun I, I thought was actually ran by the guy who's running in Bligo del Diablo. Um, but it was interesting because it was like, uh, we established goals and like wind parameters, like for over the course of a year, which I'd never done with like a, a long string LARP. And, uh, that worked out pretty well. Uh, it was, it was basically, it was vampires controlling for control of the city i mean basically it was becoming is filling the void the prince had died he had been destroyed and um that was what it was i don't know it was a uh, how long did that game run for uh just over a year about 13 months 14 months okay awesome. it was only supposed to go a year but it it went a little longer nice so how many people were involved in that larp Mm, 26 27 oh size nice sizable that's pretty solid it uh, was spreadsheet nightmares for like the three people we designated as harpies like to keep track of everything it was just it was uh, yeah so so with that large of a, a vampire population what was the city that you guys were were playing out of uh we're supposed to be in sacramento I mean, we physically were in Southern California, but it was, in theory, it was political, social intrigue and the capital of California kind of stuff, you know? Oh, cool. Yep. What's what's the population of the capital, of uh, if you know offhand? Um, I was just wondering. I what got the, no clue. Uh, no, but yeah, that's interesting. So you guys had like, uh, um, so everybody kind of, with you definitely were able to fill out all the courtly positions and everything like that. Um, and uh, so w- the the main storyline was just about like, gathering up power and taking filling up the voids um from from the prince kind of dying do you remember any kind of memorable moments was there any kind of uh specific thing that kind of stands out as well this is the time that somebody jumped up and said i'm the prince and and got shot down or something uh no no but there was um the different networks of power were like phenomenally fun to the different um the different ways people were trying to like access and control things and and the place of sacramento so like i remember there was two vampires that were vying for like cell phone companies and landline companies 
so that they could bug all of like the Capitol buildings. Um, that was pretty interesting. Um, there was a pizza like chain, pizza chain that was like pivotal in some ways because like so many of us invested so many resources in like fighting over them <laughs> that it became like like this this thing because I guess all of us decided that pizza delivery guy was like the really good way to actually just, you know, run drugs or guns or things that were more nefarious. And you still had like this income aspect that was part of the game. I mean, like you had to have legitimate businesses that were part of your power structure. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know. It was, it was fascinating. Wow. So were you, were you a player or were you a storyteller, um, in this? I was a player 80% of the time I got roped into storytelling. Um, because eventually we needed three storytellers because we started out with like 12 of us and it grew and grew and grew. And then it was like 27 and it was super unmanageable by the end. It was like, it was just, it was nuts. But I don't tell you guys, if you guys ran a 40 person event for people that have never even met each other before, then I'm sure you're well aware with the, the crowding chaos. Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. We needed four storytellers, uh, really, in order to really pull that off. So I can see how, yeah, three is is kind of uh, when you're getting up into the 30s. It's, it seems like about one storyteller every 10, um, it, depending. The more that you kind of have depend, uh, there is a certain degree of being able to kind of like put a lot into the, the characters and stuff like that, um, especially for like one shots like that we ran, we built the characters. So as long as we gave out a bunch of information to the characters um, and we did this tabletop LARP kind of mesh together where it's like it was tabletop rules. It was all about playing the council members and having meetings, but then they would do some epic mission or something like that. And we would do some kind of like, tabletop kind of stuff but then we'd be like okay and now we're going to do a downtime it's going to be a, a week's going to go by and you can just go talk to whoever you want and you have vampires and werewolves and all these other people on your character sheet that you can go talk to but we said we tried to make it so that the the we set it so that the vampires were in their own group you know they had a vampire st and then we had a werewolf st um so we were kind of able to um you know build it around the concept of having 40 people for four gms um but i've heard of like games that are get really big of larp that can be in the hundreds and stuff and they only have a couple of gms but it's just you just that you just gotta like let s- the players do what they nightmare. want <laughs> yeah that, that sounds so horrible um usually we'd only have like 20 people show up i mean even when it was 27 people but you'd have an option to like it in or write it in basically mm-hmm. you know it's like oh, okay i'm doing these things here's my maneuvers here's you know here's here's what i'm doing in terms of like what my character and power structure are doing for movements you know kind of thing um so you had a call-in option which really helped replain, retain players and like attract players which was weird um mm-hmm. because you know like i said we'd have 20 people show up and we'd have usually uh, a main storyteller and then we'd have assistant storytellers and we usually had three it was usually me uh there's a buddy named shay and uh, there's a couple others um but if there weren't the three harpies keeping track of everybody's stuff i mean it just it it would have never worked i mean it was like it was still beyond one storyteller and like one person keeping it together i mean it's just it i don't know it it seriously took the, the efforts of seven people like actively 
putting in a couple hours every week at least you know yeah well that's that's the other thing too is that we did like this you know focus on we're gonna do it at a gen con event one shot just you know you know, bring everybody together. We go back the next year, but we'd had completely different players, you know, some, some returns. Um, but, you know, the idea was that, you know, it was just an open event that we kind of had once a year, um, you know, with some other kind of events that we kind of threw throughout the year to a certain degree too. But in general, though, we didn't have this constant every, um, was it a weekly game that you were doing or is it a monthly or... It was weekly, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, weekly, you're, you're, you know, you're really, <laughs> every single week, you've got, you know, 20, like you said, what, like, to, you know, starting off with, uh, you know, a smaller amount, but getting up to like 20 people, you know, at least that you're, you know, plus all the write-ins and stuff like that. So you have that 30 plus kind of people that you're kind of dealing with um, on a weekly basis. And then, you, and I'm guessing that you did, um, open character creation, right? So you didn't, uh, so you let anybody who comes in, you know, create a character. Um, it, it was limited to tradition clans. Um, mm-hmm. but that was about the only limitation, I think. I mean, like, um, I was playing a Tremere, um, but it was, it was great. I, that was definitely one of the best role-playing experiences I think I've ever had. I mean, like, it was just, it was fantastic. That's awesome to hear. That that is really great. I've been in um, you know, some um long term, you know, weekly or bi monthly, um, or monthly LARPs and stuff like that. Um did a little bit of storytelling and, and it takes a lot. Um and it can be uh, really rewarding. Um so you know, you you sounds like you got into like uh vampire. Was it primarily just uh LARP that you did with it, or did you do any tabletop as well? No, lot lots of tabletop. Um probably 90 percent tabletop okay <laughs> 10 to 20 percent larp yeah and uh so and you started off with with vampire but what other worlds of darkness games did you kind of get into and and how did how was that transition for you and and how does that how did, did that influence like was it you know when you learned about mages was it like oh okay so now i'm going to introduce this into my game world when you're gming or did you see your gms um also include any of the extra game lines in their storytelling or was it um, very much, you know, we're playing vampire. We're only going to talk about vampires. I've had one or two storytellers that were like, very like, this is it. This is the only world we're going to mess with. It, that was more towards like the first implosion of like white wolf, you know, when everything's kind of like, you know, and, uh, rising realms were falling apart and everything's, you know, everything's crazy that nobody wanted all that. You know, everybody wanted to be in a continuous world so they can continue their stories kind of things. But, before that, everybody was definitely cross, crossing splats. You know, it was like, okay, we're definitely going to have a werewolf or definitely going to have a vampire in the mage game or definitely going to, you know, everything was running into each other quite happily. And I think it was, for me, when I'd run, I, I really liked introducing things that didn't fit into books because everybody I played with was, like, not just a dabbler. They were all, like, serious about it. You know, they had all read the same core books as me. So if I put in there like something that's not quite a vampire, not quite a fae, but it's not a kiosid, you know, then it it's fun. It's interesting. I mean, like our podcast is full of things that we did an epilogue. And like I said, the guy who's running it, I've been playing with him for years and years and years. And some of the things I still don't know what they were exactly. I'm like, hmm, what is a mole person? I mean, it. In terms of a white wolf cheat, if I was to make it, it was is it a fomori? I mean, you know, there's there's things that it could be, 
Then, right. There's a lot of play better. in the world where you can introduce something that is not part of the books, um, you know, and and try and and make it yourself and be like, okay, you've you've run into. You know, and you can even take stuff that already has something, but it's like, well, you ran into a mummy, my mummy, which was the, what, it had like bandages on it and, and it did, you know, it attacked, you know, the, the, the museum or whatever, you know, and, but then it's like, but then there are mummies and there's a different, you know, and you find out about that, but then you can be like, well, what was my mummy? You know, was it a wraith? Was it, you know, was, you know, was it something inhabiting that body? Was it a spirit, you know? manifesting or you know what and you can go off into all these different realms and you can either use you know already canonal stuff to explain other supernatural things that get misinterpreted as being you know oh that was a mummy no that was just a wraith that jumped into the body of a of a, a mummified uh thing and and tried you know causing chaos because they they love the fear of uh, passion you know um, so it sounds like uh, you guys kind of was, did you see like a difference between using and kind of crossing the, the, the um, different stuff, adding those kind of elements? Was it different for LARP comparatively to tabletop for you? Or did you kind of feel like that was similar as to um, how you guys kind of introduced and was able to kind of do? Because I always feel like tabletop is a little bit more freelance. You can kind of do whatever you want. You're only interacting with, you know, five, you know, six, seven people or something like that. Um, whereas in LARP, you you have to take into consideration that there's like, you know, 20 to 30 other people that are involved in this and they might not, you know, care for uh, off the wall ideas. Yeah, no, I, I found the same. LARPs, they tended to be stay in their lane. It was kind of special when they threw in a, a vampire or a wraith to a vamp, you know, threw in, threw in something not from that LARP. Mm -hmm. um, but most of them try to stay in that one lane because... I, I don't know. I found that you're able to drag people into a LARP, weirdly enough, uh, that are dabblers that are not like, oh, I'm going to read the whole book. I really, really want to know this. I want to do this. You know, mm -hmm. they were there for like the social um, interaction fun and stuff like that. Right. So, you know, people that do acting or people that just like poetry and story, you know, they're they're usually down for a LARP. That's not it's not that big a ask, I guess, mm -hmm. you know. But you found um, in, in tabletop though that it was a little bit more of like you could you could kind of go outside of the box and and kind of play with with um, is there anything that you that you've done that was like way outside of the box um, like I I remember you know back back in the day when I first started uh, running RPGs uh, for Vampire the Masquerade for my friends I remember. Uh, my players, uh, we were dabbling in demon, which before demon had anything out, so we were just making up our own demons and stuff. And then my players caught one, and they were like, "I want to diabolize. We all want to like mass diabolize this demon." And I was like, "Sure, like okay." So and then like I made one, like he he became like a fire, like half fire demon you know where it was like now you you're not damaged by fire anymore but you are damaged by water um so don't get out in the rain anymore um you know one like became like medusa and uh, i can't remember what the other ones but like each one got like this like weird demon demon-esque kind of power uh behind them and they went and then they got like a spaceship i mean so i like went way out of the box uh have you had any experiences with that kind of stuff oh yeah no like um one time I was playing vampire and I was running and I, I threw a unicorn in there. I mean, like it was set in like the woods of Seattle and um, it, it was like fairy blood times a million. I mean, like it was insane 
I mean, like, and they they harvested half of it, and and they sold it, but it was like extremely addictive, and they ended up in a power battle over over it with like the nearest prince because they were kind of in an uncontrolled area and like a gangrel group that was like moving through, and like it, it just it became this whole like I threw it in just for spice, and it became this whole like plot pivot, you know? <laughs> it was it was really exciting. Yeah, I really love it when when you add in something that you think is just going to be this minor addition to the game, or or uh, you know, it's it's something that you didn't even think was going to be even really anything, and you just kind of threw it out there, and all of a sudden your players grab onto it, and it's like you know, ten sessions later, you're like, wow, this is the focal point of of my entire story now. <laughs> that one guy that you met down in the alleyway that all of a sudden like <laughs> introduced you to this whole different world that. I had no idea. It's just a drug deal that you were going to do. But now you've taken over the entire cartel. <laughs> That's true. That definitely happens. Uh, so what kind of uh, gaming have you been up to lately? Um, how have you been handling the... Uh, you, you've. Um, I'm guessing you've been doing like more Discord and stuff. Do you do any per- in-person gaming right now? Or... None. Um, me and the storyteller from Imbligo del Diablo are developing a Mage LARP rule set for after the pandemic stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been kind of shooting a lot of stuff back and forth with each other on that. Um, we just finished recording our second season of Imbligo del Diablo, which is actually, um, it's actually. Operation Daedalus Defiance, it's still ODD for the odd troop, I guess. So, mm-hmm. um, but we just wrapped that, and um, one of the players from that is running uh, in between a mage game right now for us. Um, but the uh, Umbligo del Diablo podcast, we've gotten so much good feedback on it. It's just been fantastic. It's like, I think we just hit 2,000 views or 2,000 listens, um, and everybody seems to really enjoy it. Um, our editors, uh, Sam and Ginger, they do a really good job of like splicing it together and taking out all of our um and our goofs and having fun, you know, in between just chit chatting. So I don't know. That's, yeah, it's that's awesome. You'll have to. Book. You'll definitely have to drop a link of that in our uh, you know self promotion um, stuff as well, and then um, definitely want to check that out. Um, I wasn't I, did, I actually wasn't aware that you had a podcast, and it sounds like you're getting started, kind of like what we're doing right now. You're about the the point that we're we're kind of at right now. Where we're starting to get more uh, you know downloads and listens and stuff like that, and um, that's awesome. I'll have to definitely check that out. Um, so what's, what, is it a, uh, actual play that, um, that the podcast is a focus on, or, um, if you want to just kind of elaborate more on what your podcast is. Yeah. The podcast is an actual play. It's a, like I said, it's called Umbligo del Diablo, which means like the devil's navel. Um, I actually learned about you guys, uh, oh, from I, Terry's Mage the I know Mage who the you podcast. are now all of a sudden. They like, just clicked. Yeah. So I was like, oh, wow, this is cool. I have only had a chance to listen to like one of your guys' episodes, though. And you guys were having like a race in a Horizon Realm. And it was a pretty cool episode. But that's all I've had a chance to listen to. 
Oh, awesome. Yeah, I, I got to listen to a little bit of, of your stuff, too, because, yeah, me and you were, were on the same thing with Terry um, for and your name sounded very when you started saying because um, I can't even pronounce that uh, El, uh, El Diablo. We couldn't um, we couldn't like the first four episodes. All of us were struggling so hard. It was ridiculous. We're like, um, eh, ooh, um, eh, um, what? <laughs> And then, like, it, it clicked eventually when we're like, umbilical cord. Okay, umbligo. Umbligo del Diablo. Yeah. Diablo. That's, that's, that's a one. That's the first one is like, oh, my God, what the fuck? Yeah, I'm just, ah. Yeah, that's that's awesome, though, because, yeah, I was I was listening to that. I really liked um, the, the, the interview you did with Terry was really well done. And I definitely wanted to check out more of your, your podcast uh, actual play for that. So that... That's awesome. I'll definitely get links up and everything um, in the show notes for that. Um, and um, I think I, at one point I want to have you come back on after I've watched a bunch of, of your stuff and uh, just kind of talk about uh, running actual plays uh, because that's something that we're just I'm just personally getting into at this point um, and really excited to, to see that growing, the community kind of growing on that and to see... Um, you know, just like what kind of, uh, things that you've kind of gone with, um, and because like we've gone with the, the live play kind of aspect that we're just, we're, we're throwing like, I, cause I personally, I'm just like, I don't want to add it. <laughs> so, I mean, we're, we're, it's a little bit of laziness that's definitely involved in it. Uh, but there's, uh, but there's also a genuine kind of like the ums and ahs kind of like, that's just. I feel like almost ever since Barack Obama, although maybe uh, maybe because he just was so good with it, but I feel it, and maybe this isn't true, but I feel like ums and uhs are back. Like, baby, we could do it. You know, you just gotta, you, you just gotta have it. Mm, okay, this is what we're gonna. Yeah. <laughs> um, are you saying that ineloquence is the new eloquence? Is that is that your argument? Yeah, that's, yeah. That's just... An interesting, interesting thought. I like that. I like that. I just remember um, when we wow. first started uh, podcasting. One of the one of my buddies, uh, one of my cousins, actually, that listened to our podcast was like, I, "I I could hear that you cut out all your ums and uhs and you 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 spliced it up and you were editing it. Don't do that. I want to hear a natural conversation with you and in, in the people you're you're interviewing and talking with instead of having having it all seem pretty. Uh, you know, it's the the people like that live aspect of it to a certain degree. One of the things, though, that I started doing for the the actual play is I definitely took out all dead air that's over like one point five seconds because there are times when it's like, okay, go ahead, roll your dice, and thirty seconds later, it's like, okay, this this is the result we got. <laughs> I'll see like the podcasts go from like I don't know, like an hour or like we have usually about two and a half hours, give or take three hours. And then I'll see it shrink to like an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> it's like, whoa, got a lot of dead air. Yeah. When we talk about actual plays, uh, next next time we talk, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about how crazy the scale is from actual time to, to podcast time. But um, this this actual play stuff's really cool. Um, we try to shoot for like a radio drama style is, is, is I guess, more the idea. Mm -hmm. Um and I really it, like that actually. That really well, that was. I, I don't feel like you're over edited um, to a certain. You're not like just cutting out. Like it, you, you have like a very specific goal of, of producing a product, um, 
and I really liked uh, the episode that I listened to. I just felt it flowed really well. Because I grabbed, like, one of the later episodes. Because I, like, jump in, you know, midway through into stuff and then and feel like there's preludes to the, the show that I'm watching when it's just the first episode. It's like I always jump in the second season. It's like, okay, now I need to watch the first season now that I'm done with the second season. Well, the first two or three episodes were rough because uh, a lot of it was, like, mic discipline, you know, because you're not used to being recorded for something that's going to be edited. So you're like, hold on, I got to mute in between when I'm not talking, so that car in the background isn't a thing, or, you know. So, I don't know. It's just, there's there was a lot to learn for everybody. And then our editors, like I said, they just they do a great job. Um, they work really hard at it. So that, that helps a lot. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I forget though what uh, what's the gaming system that you guys are using? Was it? I thought it was it was in a mage with uh, with elements of. Uh, it's it's mage with a homebrew kind of like fifth edition that we made up. I mean, let's you know. Yeah, did you added like uh, there was a special thing that you added into the the character concept. Um, what was that? Um, we have uh, goals and fears. Um, uh, there's also a sanity mechanic. Sanity, that's hot. what it was. Pretty hot. Yeah, especially in, in the first season. The second season, it's not as like uh, crushing because the second season set in Oakland, in Northern California. Um, but the first season set in Inbleagle del Diablo, and it's like this weird middle of nowhere southwestern town where like it may as well be 1850 for the most part. Um, so the cosmic horrors and craziness and stuff like that, it's it's kind of Call of Cthulhu-esque in that way. Like you mm-hmm. can go crazy that it, it starts to affect your magic more and it starts to affect the actions you can take. And it, it I didn't think it was going to be a big part of it going into it. And it ended up being like, a lot of a lot of the story pivots and a lot of like mm, the real like gritty feelings that like you get down to that juicy like oh gosh this person has to do this because you know and you really like the motivations are like so i don't know present and like reminded with the sanity mechanics we used i just i it really added to the depth of the game yeah, I really, I really liked that concept. I thought that meshed really well with Mage. And when I heard about that, I was like, "Oh, make Call of Cthulhu combining with Mage, so you kind of get it. Just it, it, it was perfect. It was one of those like I just was like, that is a beautiful way of doing it. Like I, I um, was super awe inspired when I when I was listening to that podcast. Uh, but yeah, so definitely, um, w- what are some of the projects that you're kind of looking to, to work on in the future here? Is there anything that you guys are um, looking to expand? Or what season are you on right now? With uh, Is it coming to the end of second season? or? Well, we're, we've recorded the end of the second season, but editing time. So mm-hmm. we kind of try to refer a release. We try for a release one a week, one every week and a half, right in there. Um, but we're probably three quarters through the first season as far as release goes. Um, like I said, the second season is called Operation Daedalus Defiance. So it still has that same ODD acronym. Mm-hmm. Uh, our third season, we haven't started. 
um, same gaming groups playing a different game, just an in-between game that's not... Uh, actually, I think she's recording it, but I don't think she's going to broadcast them. Um, but uh, what was I saying? Third season is going to be Sailpunk. So set in the Caribbean. That's going to start in a, about a month, month and a half. I'm really excited about it. It's going to be like a 1700s. So mage 1700s in the Caribbean, Pirates of the Caribbean plus magic, I guess. Wow. Uh, I'm excited. That's going to be epic. That's that's awesome. Um, and that and that. So when would when would you expect season three to start getting published out there? Um, because that's going to be something that I as soon as that is getting published, I want you back on here and I want to talk about that. I'm going to I'm going to listen to that. That sounds really awesome. Well, season three, uh, we I think we just convinced our storyteller is going to be live streamed and then edited and then re-released. Oh, that's because- awesome. We've been testing with our super fan, Bagricula, and a couple other listeners from some of our uh, extant, extended gaming group families mm-hmm. um, via Twitch, via we're trying to decide between the two, um, but just in a limited fashion. So season three is going to be live streamed and then, like I said, edited down to our more of our radio drama style. So they'll be both in existence, theoretically, is the, the working plan right now. So I'm like super excited about it. That's going to be awesome. I'm going to have to. So are you doing that on Twitch then? That's that's pretty much what we've decided. Um, It might end up going back to Discord depending on software editing times, new learning timetables, stuff like that for our editors mainly. But I, I don't know. Well, yeah, if you if you broadcast over likely, Twitch, nice. I'm going to definitely uh, follow you guys and definitely give you one of my prime subs one of these uh, times uh, for sure, uh, you know, and, and possibly some other stuff because but uh, I that's awesome. I'm always I'm really into the the live play, record it live, put it out there live and then and then go back and edit it and create a, a, a substance that, you know, can be a little bit more of a, a product, um, you know, uh, but the getting to see both of those that would be awesome i'm i'm hoping it brings more people into mage i mean i know i know we've caught at least like two dozen people with like the mage bug because it's my favorite role-playing game like by far i mean changeling and vampire close seconds but i mean like i'm just so crazy passionate about it i mean like anybody i can i'm like so oh you role play have you played mage? You know, <laughs> here's what you need. You know, I just, I, it, it's been my favorite game for 20 something years. I'm, you know? I'm, I'm right there with you, man. Right there with you. That is, I, I, I got in, involved in Vampire the Masquerade and D&D in the beginning. And then when I found mage, I was like, I found my, I found my role-playing game. Now, if I can just convince other people to play this game, uh, that would be awesome. And, um, and we kind of talked about this, I think a little bit before the show, or maybe it was at the beginning of the show, but, um, you were talking about how you were doing a technocracy game and how you liked that as like a dip your toe in as well for for mage. Um, I know then we were talking about vampire dipping your toe in, but I, I like the concept of bringing people into mage and explaining the technocracy first, the concepts that, you know, this is an easy thing for you to grab paradigm because it's our paradigm. Like you just embrace it as a super science and just take it to Star Trek levels or whatever, you know, super science uh science fiction-y kind of thing 
but mage was the hard one to try and explain to somebody you need to limit yourself like you have the possibility of doing anything but you have a, a way of interpreting the world and how you do things so when you're Spider-Man, Spider-Man can only do Spider-Man things. Spider-Man may have a five in time because he can do something crazy with it or whatever. Well, I, it would be like five in matter or whatever. But he, he might only be able to do one really crazy thing with with that because he's Spider-Man. He can only do what Spider-Man does. Uh, you know, it, it, you have to. It, their paradigm can grow, but they're still limited to who they are. That's funny that you bring up Spider-Man. I. I, I had used him before to explain mage to somebody also. So, um, but yeah, when I, when I run people through mage for the first time, my favorite scenario, and I've used it a lot, used it at conventions, I've used it like just with casual gaming, game shop gaming, is uh, haunted house. 50% um, of the time, the haunted house is not actually haunted by ghosts. But you're like Ghostbuster brand variety technocracy, you know. That's that's where you're at. You're that division of void engineers, mm -hmm. and um, that's where you start. And everybody can wrap their head around that. I mean, like it's it's a science fiction paradigm that's like so present in everybody and has been since like whenever the first Ghostbuster movies came out. You know what was that eighty three uh, mm -hmm. something like that. You know it's it's been in our consciousness for so long that it's like okay we have these things. We can detect different things. We yeah, can trap these things. The radar you know, thing. Find the thing, catch the thing, <laughs> bring it home. Yep. You know, but the, the, usually the twist for that same scenario that I run is that it's not, you know, it's not a ghost at all. It's a vampire that's summoning ghosts, you know, and you're like, oh, my God. And that's enough of a hook to bring people in so many times. I mean, just like I've got so many people started on Mage with that same, like, I think like, I really feel like I should publish it as, like, a little, like, starter adventure. Oh, yeah, and drive and through RPG. Give it to the do world. That. Like, yeah, do that, man. Right? That's a beautiful, because I like that idea as, like, a starter. Here's an introductory to Mage. I like the idea that it's you start out as the technocracy um, because it's just you can wrap your mind immediately around the Ghostbuster, like you said, technocracy, sci-fi kind of thing. Almost everybody and, and their grandmother can even grab onto that and uh you go into a haunted house and you know either bust you know you can even do it to the point where it's not even supernatural at all and that's it, the, everything is i could see so many different ways that you could play that to have it as a one shot that could be very diverse that you could play it with the same person multiple times and to get a, a different result every time but also give you an awesome introduction um, so if you do that, I, I put out a, a pay what you will, and I will definitely, or, or just put whatever price you want. I'll buy that module. That's a beautiful idea. And I will run that at, at Gen Con. There's a Mr. Withers, there's a Mr. Withers ending. It's definitely, there's, there's a Scooby-Doo ending where there is nothing supernatural, but usually it's the vampire, it's usually a Giovanni. <laughs> it's, a, it's usually a crossover, but yeah, uh, that, that's, that's been the basic outline that I've been, I've been using it for like 15, 20 years at this point. And it's, it's converted so many people. It's crazy. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that is, that is a brilliant. Um, so you said, you mentioned that you, you run games at conventions. Um, did, uh, what conventions do you go to? Uh, PAX usually, um, down in Austin. I did a panel year before last about like gaming with kids, gaming and scouting. 
uh, designing games, stuff like that. Um, when I lived in California, I'd go to more cons, but I live in rural East Texas, so like Houston and Austin are only places that have any sort of major conventions. Uh, I've never been to any of the giant, giant, uh, like, you know, I guess PAX is pretty big these days. PAX is pretty big. I, I've never been, I've never been to like Gen Con or anything cool like that. Um, maybe, maybe when things start back. I highly suggest it. Gen Con is, is an experience, um, you know, possibly uh, not this year, um, just because uh, it's a lot, it's going to be a lot harder to get into Gen Con, possibly, possibly. I, there's a lot of questions up in the air, but if you haven't had it, we, we've got our tickets from 2020. Um, so it gives us like this little bit of a easier to get in for us. Um, but definitely, I, you know, I would suggest at the upcoming years to check out gen con it is it is an experience like the first time you go is literally just shock and awe of the like massive amount of i mean you might with packs i think uh i don't know how big was i can't remember i think because gen con got up to like a hundred thousand people was the uh like no, the last maxed out of, at fifty thousand packs maxed out at fifty thousand no gen con did Gen Con didn't max out at 50,000. It maxed out at 100,000. I'm almost 100% sure of that. Like 99% sure. Also, I'm not talking much because my bandwidth is absolute crap today. Sorry, guys. Yeah, I noticed that you've been uh, a little bit quiet and, and a little bit still. Like every once in a I'm, while, can, you won't move. <laughs> I can hear you guys about 50% of the time in real time. So, Oh, Oof. ouch. That, that's rough, man. Ah, you gotta love doing it live. <laughs> And I'm in the same area as him, and my uh, internet has been doing weird stuff too. Not right now, but uh, lately it's been kind of uh, hit or miss on my internet. I'm kind of feel like we should petition uh, our provider and be like, ah. Um, well, I think uh, we are coming up a little bit on the hour here, um, a little bit before, but. Um, I think we'll go ahead and wrap things up, but I kind of want, I definitely want to bring you back on, um, talk about some, I want to do, do, uh, get into a little bit more of, of your actual play and, and maybe just talk to you offline as well, um, about some actual play type stuff and get you back on here to kind of do a deep dive on that with you. Um, and, and really go into that, uh, what you, what you guys are building, what you guys are doing here. Um, especially as you guys lead up to your third season, if you're going to do that live, um, I'd like to kind of schedule out something um, in the future where we can kind of sit down and before you guys kind of go live kind of help you kind of hope, uh, you know, put it out there for you, do a little bit of advertising and, and talking about what, what you guys are going to be doing with that third season. Um, but before we go, is there any shout outs that you want to give any projects that you want to talk about? Um, you know, anything that we're anything kind of just open the floor to you to kind of talk about whatever you'd like. Um, let's see what I want to talk about. Uh, just in Blue Gope del Diablo. And uh, yeah, no, I'd totally love to be back on and talk about the sale punk season that's coming up. Um, like I said, we'll probably start that in a month and a half. Um, it is, what, middle of April now? So probably June, first week of June, if I had to guess. Um, so I'm super excited about that. It'll still be the Odd Troop, so you can find us on Anchor and all that good stuff at Odd Troop. Um, if you just Google Umblugo del Diablo, which is ridiculous to spell, <laughs> you will find us that way too. Um, and we'll get links in listen, the show notes enjoy and on our website as play well. Play Mage. 
go play go mage. play mage. Yes. Teach other people how to play mage. So I have more people to play with. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll get those uh, show notes up and we'll also make sure to put it on our website that we have, um, theageofstories.com. Um, we'll have a nice little, we got a friends of the show kind of uh, link there. You can go and, and check out uh, and we'll make sure to get you put up there as well to check out that uh, actual play podcast that you've got going there. Um, all right, so we're going to go ahead and uh, wrap it on up here. Um Make sure to check out TriatCon coming up at uh, May 14th and the 15th. Uh, we plan on doing some stuff there. We're actually going to host a little bit of a meeting and kind of talk about what we're going to be uh, hosting there at uh, TriatCon. And we're uh, really excited about that coming up here. May 14th, 15th, put it on your calendar. Um, I'm, I really can't wait to see what kind of games are going to be uh, offered right now. Personally, um, I'm going to be trying to get like a mage and uh, at least a mage and a demon game. I might be doing some, some other games as well. Um, and if you enjoyed the uh, show here, um, you can like us, follow us on Twitch, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, podcast, uh, Podbean, um, all the, your, your favorite podcasting uh downloadable sites we have, we're all over the place we're even on pandora which i don't know i didn't even know that could be a thing until i was like oh <laughs> it tells me press a button to be on pandora <laughs> uh, so yeah check out our website as well uh theageofstories.com it's got sh uh, links to the friends of the show as well as setting information for madison under siege uh setting that we will be using for our convention games and much much more um don't forget to tune in to our Mage the Ascension game Techno Gate on Mondays at 7 p.m. Central Time. Um, you can get that on Twitch at twitch.tv slash goldenagestories. And remember that's golden um, spelled with G-U-L-D-A-N um, because we, we're special. <laughs> Uh, and uh, if you like this podcast we do uh, record live every Sunday at 7pm you can come on in and ask any questions that you feel like or flood our chat with a bunch of emoticons because you know that's what people do in the future I guess <laughs> well thank you so much for listening thank you so much Matt for coming on to the show here and can't wait to have you back on here and you have a great day and if anybody can hear me it you, maxed out at 70,000 in uh, Gen Con maxed out at 70,000 in 2019. What? Okay, then. Yes. Then like 100,000 we tickets were, were sold. Something like that. There was like a thing about 100,000, I know. Anyway, good night. Good night.